Hello strangers, my name is Rose Goldthorpe. I am the writer-director of this podcast and I want to welcome you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is all about the magical world of the Greenlands. If you want more information about the Greenlands or want to submit a script or be involved in the project as a voice actor or even just, you know, throw money at us, check out our website at the-greenlands.com, the-greenlands.com, or tweet at us on Twitter at GreenlandsThe or Instagram. These also will be put on YouTube. excited for this new season called The Baroness's Beef. Called that because she has beef with everyone. It's a problem. As with the previous two seasons, we meet a new cast of people and also meet some old returning favourites. This season, we get to meet Adamant's family and find out why it is that he is like that. The events of this season occur while the boys are away at school and then on their quest to the Sisters of the Middle Sun, so it runs parallel to the night's erratic. As more episodes from this new season come online, we will be removing old episodes of The Night's Erratic and putting them up on YouTube and on an archive on our website on thegreenlands.com. For this episode of The Baroness's Beef, I would like to thank our amazing cast, Andrew Veal, Charles Mode, David McCran, Helen Berry, Kitty Bennett, Linda Dutzen, Sam Parry, Sophie Cole, Vicky Holding and Zoe Cunningham. I hope you all have a lovely and fantastic week. The Baroness's Beef by Rose and Anne-Marie Goldthorpe Scene 1 Beyond a calm, lucid lake, beautiful, ineffable woods, and the pretty, picturesque village with its homely inhabitants, we find the frantic, ill-organised morning preparations of the Baroness and her family, the Brethnocks, to meet a visiting Countess over breakfast. A plain, middle-aged woman, Imelda, the companion, comes in and rouses the Baroness from her sleep. The Baroness, a blonde beauty in her late thirties, early forties, is wearing a mud pack. She sits up, smiles, stretches, and then suddenly remembers something alarming. She throws aside the covers, leaps out of bed, and starts hurling orders at Imelda, while rushing about, getting her clothes out and rubbing a stone egg up and down her arms. The Baron, a big hairy man with small undertusks, appears from the dressing room and looks inquiringly at Ethelberta. The Baroness pushes him back with lots of arm-waving and instructions, while Imelda gets the Baroness's clothes ready. Clothes on, please! Imelda offers up a undercurtle. Not that one smelly, the crimson, the crimson! Ethelberta is throwing clothes out of her chest onto the floor while muttering. The Baron reappears at his door with a short green robe which he offers for approval. Not outdoor ruffery today. The silver braid, one silver braid, Harold. Imelda attempts to help the Baroness put on this crimson undercurtle, but the Baroness sweeps past her with dismissive fingers. The guard robe. The Baroness sweeps under the open arch into the Baron's bed slash dressing room area, 
and pulls aside the curtains of the garderobe, where the Baron has just piled up his gown and is lowering himself onto the seat. The Baroness grabs him and hurries him off quickly aside. Oh, oh, do you mind? Can't a fellow have a dump in the morning? The Baroness hisses desperately and vehemently. The Countess! The Countess! Is that all? By Zograt's spear, you'd think the enemy was approaching instead of a blasted, toffee-nosed woman here for breakfast. The Baroness rolls her eyes and starts to hoik up her chemise and sit down. Scene 2. Interior Castle Dining Hall. Morning. The Baron and Baroness are seated, irritably and anxiously respectively, at table, looking up for arrivals. Their two children appear, Yuisa, who is beautiful, blonde, and seventeen, and Burb, twelve years, who is chunky, has his father's underteeth, and is a bit sullen. Burb is carrying some sort of small wooden apparatus, which he slides nonchalantly beneath his chair. Morning, Mama. Papa. No! Yuisa goes up to her father and kisses the top of his head and then kisses her mother's extended cheek. Yuisa sits on her chair opposite to Burb. There is a space to her right, next to her mother for their guest. Yuisa stares hostily at Burb, who has slunk to his seat and who looks all innocence. Why did you put that frog in my wash basin? A frog? Oh, I know. It must have been that handsome prince who asked me the way to your boudoir this morning. You're just a poisonous little tick. Burb rocks his head side to side and makes ticking noises whilst people don their nappery and start on their breakfast. Imelda, the companion, late thirties, early forties, plain but kindly and dowdy of dress, appears and sits quietly next to Burb. Sorry, I'm late, Ethelberta. I just had to dress. That's all right, Imelda. Even companions must find time for themselves. She smiles graciously. Two maids scurry in and out, carrying jugs, tankards, plates and bowls of food. Fruit, meat and breads. The Baroness frowns at them. Really, Hadrida, at least wash your face when you get up in the morning. One of the girls bobs a curtsy. Yes, ma'am. I will, ma'am. The girl wipes the grubby arm of her chemise across her rather dirty face, and the Baroness looks faintly repelled. Yusa, with a disgust-wrinkled nose, puts out a single, delicate finger and pushes away the large plate containing a hunk of meat next to her. The door opens, and the Countess, late thirties and beautiful, sweeps in. She is preceded by her maid, who emplaces a cushion upon her chair for her, and is followed by a valet, who pulls the chair out for her to sit upon. These servants then stand behind her. The Countess utters a gently ironic, silvery tinkle of a laugh, and looks up at the Baroness. Oh, Ethelberta! Really? Breakfast? How quaint. Everyone who's anyone just has a little tray sent up these days. When my little tray failed to materialise, I suddenly realised that we were in the country and I had to appear at table on pain of death. The Baroness opens and shuts her mouth like a goldfish and the Baron dives in. Well, I like breakfast. Can one get any hot chocolate round here? The Countess flutters her eyelids at him and looks helpless. 
The Baron glowers and the Baroness looks a bit embarrassed. Scene 3. Interior, Castle, Solar. Morning. Uisa is lolling on a settle amid some cushions, and Imelda is sitting nearby, studiously embroidering. Ethelberta returns to the room. Don't lol, dear. She crosses the room and sits near to Imelda. She starts embroidering too. I don't see why we had to have that old bag visit. Just because she's your old school friend. I'm your mother's old school friend as well. I hope I'm not an old bag, Wisa. No. No, you're all right, Smelly. I... Wisa, I've told you not to use that rude name. Uisa gets up, walks across and kisses Imelda on the top of her head. Sorry, Immy. That's all right, dear. Uisa picks up a small dog and returns to her seat playing with its ears and making mooing gestures at it. Anyway, before she went, the Countess pointed out to me that we really must get going. We find a husband for you, Uisa. Just think, you are 18 years old in a few weeks. Uisa looks up and stubbornly sets her face. I'm not getting married, Mother. Her mother looks up. Don't be ridiculous, Uisa. Why ever not? Why ever can't you? Because, because I can't. You can't make me. I think you'll find that your father can. I won't. I won't. Uisa stands up, putting the dog back on the settle. She runs out. Ethelberta looks at Imelda helplessly. She sighs and then shows her embroidery to her. Should I use a chain stitch here, Smelly? Or would an infill stitch look better? They both crane back, adieu, and study the embroidery, which is being held up at a distance. Scene 4. Exterior, castle, garden. Morning. Ethelberta is walking around a garden. She passes two gardeners who tug their forelocks. She points out and fusses about several things, and they nod obediently and confusedly at her many pointings and orders. Ethelberta sails on, confident in a job well done. She is just at the furthest end of the garden from the gardeners, when her husband storms past her, a little distance away, in well-used hunting outfit, with a small, scraggy servant trailing behind, carrying the crossbow. The Baron doesn't see her, and is heading off across to a door in the curtain wall. Uh, Harold! Harold! The Baron pulls up, as if pulled by a cord, he sulkily glowers and turns slowly around. Mm. Ethelberta beckons him over to her with a small smile. The Baron looks at his servant to stay there, and he walks over impatiently to Ethelberta. What, dear? Are going hunting with only that scrappy varlet for attendance? That scrappy varlet can manage a carcass or two, and that's all I need. Well, what if you were attacked? After what I've just been through at the Battle of the Black Falls and the Red Wars, do you really think that a robber or two is going to bother me, girl? The Baron puts his hand on his hips. He is getting more impatient. He is a big, chunky, angry-looking man-goblin. Ethelberta sits down on the bench. That's not the point, Harold. The Countess said that no one who's anyone goes anywhere without their band of loyal retainers, and... Well, if that toffee-nosed bag wants to retain a band of layabouts, eating their heads off and seducing the wenches, she's welcome to him. I am not wasting my money on loads of guards. We don't need them. Isabel should know about these things, though, because... 
she's a high elven aristocrat, and, well, she knows that I'm only a merchant's daughter, of course, uh, but... Well, that's a load of sows in a cesspit, because her mother might have been a pure elf. But she was only a draper's assistant, though, anyway, eh? So keep that in mind, girl. He strides off towards his servant. Uh, don't forget lunch, dear. We're having the Fitzherberts. He throws his hands in the air as he goes out of the garden door. Well, I'm not eating them. Ethelberta looks bemused. Burb appears out of nowhere at her arm. Mater, can I have two groats? Uh, what for, dear? Oh, just this project I'm working on. Ethelberta hands him a couple of coins from her scrip. As long as you don't go near that dreadful sweetmeats shop and make yourself sick again. Thanks, ma'am. He races off, and Ethelberta continues looking after the direction where her husband disappeared to. She sighs. Scene 5, Interior, Castle Solar, Afternoon. The Baroness is seated at a table, writing with a quill and ink in a mortar. She removes the plate from the top of the mortar, and then pours a little ink from a clay-sealed bottle into it. Your most profound and very grand Duchess of the Great Lands, it is your friend, the Baroness Brethnack, who pens you a little line to ask how you fare at this time. I was so pleased to hear about your magnificent presentation at court and the lustre of your retinue that I reminded my lord the baron that we, too, though not as illustrious as your munificent selves, must keep a retinue as is suitable to our standing also. We look as well to the return of our eldest son from his nightly training, upon which said son will most likely then undertake the training of these armed retainers. My family and I live but to breathe the air of your exalted exhalations, my lady. My invitation to you and your kith and kin remains ever open, and I subscribe myself your ever humble servant, Ethelberta, Baroness Brethnag. Ethelberta puts down her pen when she has finished reading what she has written. She sits back in a fog of Aristo worship and a dreamy smile on her face. She turns her head to one side and looks out of the window. She stiffens and looks more closely. There she sees, on the lawn, in front, Burb, sitting on a low wall, with his tongue out, skinning a couple of rabbits his father has shot, and the Baron, from behind, with his hands down his nether hose, having a good scratch. Ethelberta grimaces, exhales hopelessly, and turns her head away, putting her hand up to her forehead in despair at their vulgarity. Scene 6. Interior, village, cottage, day. There is a knock at the door, and a village woman opens it to see Ethelberta and Yuisa with their sick visiting baskets. Ethelberta announces her visit, and the woman reluctantly opens the door and looks unenthusiastic. Ethelberta plonks her basket down on the woman's table, knocking the woman's newly made pie onto the floor. The Baroness picks it up, blows on it and dusts it down, while apologising, embarrassedly and profusely. Yisa turns to the sick man. She smiles, asks him how he is, picks up his bandaged leg and swings it up onto a stool. He groans, moans and then picks up that leg again and replaces it on the floor while scowling at her. 
Ethelberta hands out a bag of sweetmeats to the three little children sitting next to Grandma's bed, near the wall. The children proceed to cram them into their mouths, to their mother's horror, who points at the cooking pot on the fire, which is their lunch getting ready. Ethelberta gives a little self-depreciating sorry, and tries to urge the children to return said sweets from their mouth. They will not. Meanwhile, Yuisa has been bandaging Grandma's arm. Grandma is only half-conscious and rather demented. Mother turns around from the cooking fire, sees the bandage and points out that it is the other arm that is sore. Yuisa looks embarrassed and starts to take off. The housewife shows Ethelberta and Yuisa out, and then closes the door. She turns to her husband and shakes her head in disbelief. Scene 7. Interior, castle, dining room, evening. The Baron and Ethelberta are seated at dinner with Yisa and the Baron's brother, a priest, who is a very thin, disapproving, pale-faced, middle-aged man called Stettel. He has lower tusks, like his brother, and is dressed in black, with stars on his velvet gown and a star medallion. Ethelberta helps herself to some pudding, while Stettel picks suspiciously at a small portion on his plate, examining the spoon's contents each time. Have you heard that it is your niece's birthday in a few weeks, Stettel? Oh, really? Yisa smiles at him, but he ignores her. I have to find the wench your husband now. I'm sure that any discerning nobleman would be delighted to wed my little girl, you know. Father! We're going to have a little party, you know. Hmm. I'm afraid, however, that my poor priestly allowance will not allow me to go frittering money on presents, you know. I would, but my glebe is so very small, you see. <laughs> no, we don't expect presents, brother. But we do hope you'll come along to the festivities, though. He waves his spoon merrily at Stettel. Now, if your barony's priest's living were to be given to me, together with my present glebe, I think I could see my way to finding a present. I oh, can't turf old John out. He's been priest here since our father was alive. He says the chance to the sun every morning come rain or shine. Ethelberta points to the nearby pudding dish. More flummery, Stettel. Mm, no, thank you. But if there are any leftovers, I would gladly take them with me to help eke out my week's food allowance. The Baron picks up a jug of wine. Uh, pass the wine to your uncle, Louisa. Oh, yes, did you find that hogshead of wine and those two sides of bacon I sent down to you? I had a little of them, yes, thank you. Well, we'll have to send you down some barrels of apples and a couple of beeves as well. Hmm, to go with the four bushels of grain, the three lambs and the twenty jars of my best plum jam he received last week. Indeed. He looks heavenwards. A lone bachelor has to shift as best he can. At least I have the help of the stars. Yuisa and Ethelbertal roll their eyes and look disbelievingly at each other. Scene 8, Interior Castle, Yuisa's Bedroom, Morning. The room is a terrible mess, with clothes strewn everywhere over chairs, chests and bed, which is unmade. There are cages of animals and birds with pieces of meat next to them, or cups of liquid. Issa is wearing a belted short gown and hose with a jerkin, 
like a man. She is feeding one of her birds and cooing at it. Ethelberta strides in. Louisa, I want to see... What is that smell? It's terrible. And how many more animals have you got this week? This is getting ridiculous, Louisa. No, it's not. They're mine, and I love them all. Clarissa and I are going to rescue the woodland animals before Father shoots them all for dinners. Oh, yes. I can really see Lady Tifei putting up with hundreds of cages in Clarissa's bedroom. Ethelberta starts picking up clothes and folding them in a cleared space on the bed. This mess won't do, Issa. Also, that outfit you're wearing won't do either. You're running wild like a tomboy. No one's going to marry you looking like that. I only borrow Burb's clothes when I have to do stuff. You are not to wear men's clothes outside, you know. You are a nobleman's daughter and not some sort of savage. And you've only got to use the side saddle as well. We don't want any of that bifurcated leg business. Issa nudges her mother's arm softly. I don't like to tell you this, mother, but your own legs bifurcate when you walk. Issa leans in towards her mother. I've seen them. Ethelberta sails out with her nose in the air. That was quite unnecessary, Issa. Issa grins. Scene 9. Exterior castle courtyard. Later. Issa mounts her little horse. She is wearing Burb's hose, still. She sits down into her saddle with a thump, looks pleased with herself, and swings her legs backwards and forwards before putting her feet into the stirrups. And this is quite unnecessary, too! Issa then takes a deep, contented breath and trots happily out of the courtyard. That was an episode of The Baroness's Beef from The Greenlands Presents. I'd like to thank the amazing Steve Cummings for editing this episode. We're just a small podcast, we don't have any marketing budget or anything, so we rely on word of mouth to get to people to hear us. If you like us or think someone else should listen to us, please drop us a like or review or share us on social media. Tag us and we will love you forever. If you want to know more about the world of the Greenlands or just want to sell a soul to an ancient and dark nature god, check out the-greenlands.com, the-greenlands.com. If you want access to our podcast archive and previous seasons, check out our YouTube channel at The Greenlands Official. We love you all. Please don't get stepped on by any large dragons. See you next time.